0: Thanks for tuning in. You're now listening to the latest podcast from House SF. For more information about House and our heart for the city, please make sure to visit our website at www.housesf.org. Okay. That was fun. I'm going to, you know, I'm sorry. This is not a rejection thing. I'm not going to use this. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, though. I'm honored. Um, all right. You ready? Yeah. My giant disclaimer before we talk about anything today is I'm probably going to talk about some things that will open up some stuff for some of you in this room, and you're going to be like, wait, say more. And I won't be able to say more today. So if you need more information or want to pursue some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, You can follow me on Instagram or Facebook or go to my website, mikemyashiro.com. My whole team, we're putting a lot of energy and effort into creating more content to help people pursue the things that I'll be talking about today. So, whatever we don't get to cover today, you can pursue that. There's so much more available, okay? So, I don't know that it's gonna all, like, land soft and complete today. That's my disclaimer. All right, Um, so, Uh, My name is Mike Mayashiro, like Melody said. I'm from Redding, California. I've lived there for the last 10 years. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. Um, And I came to Bethel, to Redding, because God told me when I was at a corporate job in Portland that I wasn't supposed to be there and that he had something else for me. And that's all he said. And so I was like, all right, well, here we go. And I moved and I actually moved to Japan and lived there for five months, which is how I encountered Bethel and that whole thing. Uh, and so it was kind of a radical journey, it was amazing, changed my life, and then I've been in writing for the last 10 years. Um, something to note about this, I'm giving you some context so you can understand where we're going go to go today i right? Um, I've, I've always okay. been somewhat of a weirdo. My perception of the world and other people and the way that I experience this place has always been, I think, different than what I've observed other people's processes or observations to be. It's always been different. And so I didn't know what that was until I was like 22, coming to Reading, going to the School of Supernatural Ministry there. I met a friend who mentored me in some of this, and so I want to open some of that to you guys today. Um, So if you guys brought your Bibles, would you please go to 1 Corinthians 12? Um, We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start at verse 4. So this is the passage in the New Testament where Paul is describing the gifts of the Spirit how the Holy Spirit supernaturally enables the church to be able to do things that normal human beings can't do on their own. Um, These gifts are meant to serve the body, right? And contribute and minister and do good. So starting in verse four, it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. I'm reading out of the English standard version, just in case you're not. (laughs) Um, And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So if we counted how many times Paul said the same spirit, the one spirit, one spirit, same spirit, like it's like, okay, dude, we get it. Why is he so repetitive? But part of the reason he had to do that was because the culture he was talking to was supernaturally adept. Like they were tapping into that stuff before they found Jesus. The culture was rife with demonic influences and witchcraft and astrology and all the things, right? Right? So, And they're participating in spiritual activity. They're receiving from spirits. So he's trying to make a distinguisher here, a clarifier. You guys are supernaturally powered, and if it is from God, all of this is coming from one spirit. You're not getting this from your spirit guide, and that's not coming from your spirit guide, or that spirit, or this God, or whatever. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so in the context that he's in, he's trying to help them understand all these abilities you're, you're moving in are coming from God. They're right, they're good, they're powerful, and they're not coming from anywhere else. It's all from the Lord for all of us to be able to minister, to contribute, to do great work beyond our own abilities, okay? And so I I grew up, I got saved when I was four. I grew up in a Baptist church, so very conservative, really religious, right? I knew the rules and understood what you're supposed to act like in church and how long you're supposed to sit there and when you can talk and when you shouldn't and The kinds of words you're allowed to say and the other kinds you're not allowed to say. And who you get to hang out with and who you shouldn't be hanging out with. And what kind of movies you're allowed to watch and what you're not allowed to watch. And where you can go in public and where you're not allowed to go. I learned all that stuff, right? Lots of behavior modification. Um, It wasn't until the Lord started to speak to me when I was 18 that I started realizing that he was very different than what I had been told. That the God of the Bible is different than the God of the church today in a lot of the church. like There's a lot of religion being practiced in Christianity, which is not who God is, okay? And I think we probably all get that. Um, and so in that, there's also such a depth and a world of possibility that is supernatural, that is beyond our rational thinking, where he gladly and continuously expresses himself, including in and through us, who we are, what we do, okay? And so growing up reading scripture, I always read that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, and I felt bad for the person who had the gift of discernment, (laughs) that ability to distinguish between spirits, because I didn't believe in spirits for a long time. I didn't think they were real. I'm like, well, that's a bummer gift. (laughs) You have the ability to separate clouds from other clouds. How cool. Um, And it's kind of ironic, because legitimately, I remember having those thoughts, and so when I was in school at Bethel, uh, it took me a few months, but I started waking up to and realizing that stuff that was happening to me in my life was actually because of that gift, that bummer gift. (laughs) I was so lame and inconsequential. Um, I grew up having to go on walks all the time by myself to try and process emotions I didn't know why I had. Why do I feel guilty right now? Why do I feel anxious? Why am I creeped out? Why am I afraid? Why am I mad? Where is this emotion coming from? I have no reason to feel this way. So I'd go for walks a lot to try and figure out where did this come from uh, I could tell when people were lying to me I couldn't tell you why I knew I could just feel it like what they just said isn't true and it wasn't even about facts or science it was like even about their own identities their own history their own experiences I could tell when there was stuff they were saying that wasn't real wasn't true I could tell when someone was like tapping into things that were deceitful or manipulative or you know trying to like accomplish something without being upfront and honest about it. Um, I could tell when someone was speaking truth. I, could, like, it, I often noticed it when I was in a church setting and the pastor would speak and it was boring for a long time. And then all of a sudden he'd say something and my body would react. I'm like, well, there's something about what he just said right now. I don't know why, but I could feel it. And I was aware of that from an early, like a pretty young age. I didn't know what this was. And I thought we all worked this way. I thought everyone experienced the world this, like this. It wasn't until later in life that I found out that wasn't common for everyone. Um, All that to say, what was happening to me was the gift of discernment was in operation, was helping me understand where things were coming from and why, and I didn't know what it was. And so part of my life's mission now is actually to help equip and, and train and educate, specifically the church, on how these gifts work, specifically the gift of discernment, so they can wake up in their competency and start tapping into the ways that God has supernaturally enabled them to understand the world and to bring help. To bring clarity and understanding and accountability. Um, So, by show of hands, is there anybody in this room so far that can identify with some of the things I was describing in my experience? Feeling those emotions, not knowing what to do with it. Yeah, that totally happens to me. Okay, all the women. Interesting. You think that's funny? (laughs) Oh, we got one dude over here. I'm not alone. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, Um, The spirit world is a peculiar place. It's very bizarre the way that it functions, especially when you don't understand it. I'd like to propose the spirit world is actually the real world. And then this natural place that we're in is the aftermath, the symptom of the spirit realm. The afterthought, it's the result of what's going on in the real world. And I know for those of us who are so used to perceiving and judging and measuring everything by our natural senses, that feels like a really hard statement to accept or to understand or appreciate. The solution isn't to just ignore it or move on with your life. There's some trading that will need to happen in your values. It's you I would encourage you to let go of some of the things that you've always maintained as being real in order to take up a more substantial, a deeper, more profound, and complete understanding of what you are and where you live and what's really going on um to give you an example I came home from first year I was in school at Bethel like a few months in and I came home to a friend's house and we all just usually hung out at her place so I came home I got there early early than anyone else I walked in she's like hey I'm in my room I'm doing laundry I'll be out in a second so I sat down at her table and just started working on some homework and within a few minutes of sitting there doing stuff all of a sudden I I realized like I wasn't going to be who I wanted to be. Like my life wasn't going to turn out the way that I was hoping that it would. That actually I was pretty insignificant. And the plans and hopes and dreams that I had weren't actually going to come true. I was like, oh, it sucks. What a bummer. And then I realized that I, I didn't actually have any friends. And like no one actually cared about me. I'm like, what was I thinking? How did I not realize that I don't actually have any real friends and no one really like loves me? This is crazy. I'm alone. This sucks. And I'm like spiraling in this moment. I don't, I don't know what's happening until it's too late and all of a sudden I'm just like left with this mess, which is my life. This mess, I'm like what am I gonna do? And I do not want to be a drag for my friends for the rest of the night. But I'm like, oh, I don't matter and I have no friends. Like what do I, okay. And then I logically, thankfully my mind stepped in was like, hey, let's logically think about what's happening right now. And I realized like five minutes earlier before I walked into this apartment, I was fine. I had friends, I had a future, I had hope. <laughs> God had a plan for my life. He had done all these things to help get me where I was. Logically, that actually doesn't make any sense to think or believe that my future wasn't gonna happen. And so all of a sudden, as I started like, questioning the reality of the insignificance and loneliness of my life, I heard in my spirit, in English, it's a spirit. And I was like, what? And I took that bit of information and plugged it into the the equation. And all of a sudden, oh, sorry, by the way, while I'm realizing that my life isn't going to matter, I remembered all these different moments in my life where I tried for things and they didn't work out. They didn't happen. Ways that I'd failed or hoped for things that never came true. And as I realized that I didn't have any friends, I had, had memory after memory after memory or experience after experience be brought to me of people rejecting me, of people ignoring me, of people overlooking me, neglecting me, right, excluding me proving all these things that you know were happening. So once I plugged in what oh, it's a spirit into the equation, it was like the spell broke. Like the craziness lifted in a, in an instant. It was different and I was like, "Whoa." And I freaked out and I learned a ton of things in that moment. I'm actually currently writing an ebook about that experience and everything that I learned from it since. And it has dramatically influenced the way that I teach this subject ever since then. So, one thing I want you guys to understand is that your thoughts and your emotions and your desires aren't always yours, which is weird to think about, especially if you're a super, like, pragmatic, analytical intellectual that doesn't scientifically make any sense yet. Winky face. (laughs) But regardless of your upbringing, your educational background, or your experience currently, I'd like to propose... That being a spiritual being, your experience within your own personhood is not an isolated one. You are not alone in that place, which is could be creepy and awkward, or liberating, if it's true and you understood it. Spirits, meaning these beings, these influences, these, this energy force, whatever you want to call it, influence you beyond just the external. They don't just affect your bank account or your car or your relationships they affect your emotions they affect your thoughts they affect the things that you want the things you're interested in the the motives and intentions that you touch and if you don't recognize that all these things that i'm describing aren't always you you're going to be yanked around all the time with these various desires and motivations and fears and wants and whatever and life's going to be kind of complicated It'll be difficult for you to stand in confidence on much. Difficult. And Jesus said that his yoke was easy and his burden was light and that you would find rest for your souls. He said that he was the rock. That he's the good shepherd. That he takes care of his sheep. That he wouldn't leave you as orphans. I mean, I could go on and on and on of all these things that God has said to you of how he's gonna take care of you, how clean and clear and well-supported you would be. And if your experience is waking up with an emotion you don't understand and being subjected to that and just like slaving away, trying to like climb out of this weird hole you don't even understand how to get out of, that is a discrepancy to what God has said. And I'd like to propose that God is not wrong, that he hasn't left something off the table, that he hasn't left you alone, that he hasn't not done something yet, when Jesus said it's finished, like that's real, it actually is done, all the work is complete, and now all you need to do is wake up to what's actually happening. Let your mind be renewed. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can know what God is doing, what he wants. His good, perfect, and pleasing desire, will, intention, yeah? Okay. All right. Starting to lift a little bit. All right. So, if a spirit can influence your emotions or your thoughts or your desires, what do we do with that? What I'm going to propose a solution and a practical approach to this is every single one of us, by, pro- by practice, out of habit, out of a lifestyle, must separate ourselves, who we think we are, from our thoughts. We have to separate ourselves, who we think we are, from our emotions. We have to separate ourselves, who we think we are, from our desires. Because they're not always you. I'm not saying none of them are ever you, because sometimes they are. And those are the ones you want to hold on to. The ones that aren't, you want to pull out your knife, Sorry, your lightsaber. (laughs) Point the hot end toward the thing and ask it some questions. Interrogate (laughs) it. Maybe interview. That feels a little less aggressive. Just interview it a little bit. I know the lightsaber already is pretty aggressive, (laughs) but that part I'm keeping on the table. (laughs) Interview the thing. Question it. Don't just accept it blindly. Don't just obey it. Don't just let what it's proposing be true to you. Question the thing. Is this thought true? Where is this thought coming from? Is this emotion true? Where is this emotion coming from? Is this desire true? Where is it coming from? I remember when I was going through this process in my life when it was new, it was probably a two month period where I was like, I can't live like this. Every day I was constantly just, not out of paranoia, not out of insecurity, but out of an awareness, a sharpened, intense sensitivity to things that were regularly influencing me all the time, I started catching, like, oh my gosh, this is happening all the time. This is crazy. And I had to constantly question and wonder and explore, is this true? Is this mine? Does this belong here? Do I want to keep this? Do I want to partner with this thing? Repeatedly, constantly, all the time, specifically in my relationships, in my ideas of who I thought people in my life were to me. What did they mean to me? What was I supposed to do in this relationship? What was I supposed to give? What was I responsible for? What was I supposed to receive? I had to question all of those things because it was just a pretty life-changing epiphany. Right? And thank God I took it seriously. I didn't just like get hit with this like possibility and then move on with my life. Yeah. I was like, this is real. And so I followed this thing. I pursued it relentlessly, and I wouldn't let it go. And it changed my life. It changed everything about how I related to people, what mattered to me, and how I chose to govern myself thereafter. Okay. A few months though, it was a couple months where I like was feeling exhausted. And at one point I remember like having some thoughts where I was like, there's no way I could live like this forever. Like this is not sustainable. I can't teach other people to do this, I can't even do it. Like there's no way this can be the case. Like there's gotta be a better way, or I have to give up. And it felt like at that point, giving up was probably the more practical ap- option. I just can't manage this stuff. I can't keep going down this road. This is exhausting. And it's also emotionally draining and um, miserable. Um, fa- thankfully, I didn't give up, though. And I had some friends around me who supported this process because we were all kind of going after this in our own way. I, remember, I think mine was more intense and more specific because I was like a, science, like a mad scientist and just couldn't let it go. Just a little bit obsessive about it. Um, but I had some people in my environment who actually encouraged me and supported me and helped continue to validate the possibility that this didn't have to be like this. And thankfully, after a few months, I came out of the woods and it actually got a lot easier Um, So what I want to say to you guys, for those of you who are like, oh, this is true and I'm going to pursue this, which I would encourage you to do, um, it might feel like this is exhausting, this is impossible, you can't do this forever. And the truth is you can't do it forever. That's true. The the reality, though, is your soul will step in to support and assist you, and practices and habits and thought patterns will get established over enough time. Actually, time's not the factor. Enough practice, enough repetition. You do it enough. Pretty soon, those structures will be established within your soul and your soul will come to support this new change in how you govern and manage yourself and how you perceive and judge the world you live in. And as those structures get established, it becomes less and less of a drain or a tax on your conscious will and it becomes more of a sustained lifestyle choice based on the systems that are already at play in your life. Your thought patterns, your beliefs, your habits, your practices, your behavior are all automated systems that you just continue to refine and update or correct or just allow. And as those systems update, change, as you put some concerted effort into shifting the way that those systems are currently functioning in your life, they'll adapt, they will adjust, and they will course correct to what your conscious will has repeatedly decided is the right way. Your conscience might contradict or or oppose some of what you're trying to go after at first, I, know, I remember when I started establishing some boundaries with like dysfunctional relationships that I'd had back then, my guilt came in to try and stop me. Like this emotion that we call guilt. My conscience was like, you shouldn't do that. You're a bad person. That's selfish. That's inconsiderate. That's rude. That's too, that's arrogant. That's fill in the blank. Whatever my guilt was coming up with to try and course correct me back to what I thought was the proper way to conduct myself. One thing I'd like to tell you in that process is In this transition period, which won't last forever, but it does last for however long it takes, your guilt should not be trusted. Your conscience is not correct in that space because it's a system that's been so used to a certain pattern and value that when you change it, it's going to fire off. Problem, red flag, alert, 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 right? And I'm saying in that transition period, you need to ignore the warnings, which is dangerous. I understand there's a lot of room for error in that place. You ignore the warnings and you follow the truth. Because a lot of us in this room right now, our conscience is not lined up with the truth. Some of you can't tell the truth to certain people because your conscience won't let you. You feel guilty. You feel like a bad person. You feel fill in the blank. And I'm like, I'd like to tell you that your conscience is not the Lord of your life. Jesus should be the Lord of your life. Amen. And what you decide about who you are and what you can say should be based on who Jesus is, not how you feel. It should be based on the truth, not your conscience. I'm not saying your conscience is a bad thing. It's not. Your conscience is beautiful and helpful. It is a system that's put in, put in place to help you succeed. But if your system is not in line with who Jesus is, with the spirit of truth, your system is not the leader. Cannot be. It is there to support, it is not there to lead. So as our minds become renewed and our systems update and align with the nature of God, they'll come in to support a sustainable lifestyle practice of walking with the Holy Spirit. Of being led by the Spirit, Paul says. He's constantly talking about being led by the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. Oh my God. All right. (laughs) So, a thought comes, an emotion triggers, a desire pulls you. Paul describes the armor of God, right? The full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the blah, 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 all the things. At the end of that passage, he describes all these things not so you can go into battle and fight demons and hunt them down and cut their heads off. You're made for more than that. Demons are so inconsequential, your life is not supposed to go hunt them down. You're not a hunter. (laughs) (laughs) You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a king. You're a queen. Your role in this place is to reign, to exercise dominion, and you have helpers who will go hunt things down for you. You are not the hunter. I know some of you want to be a hunter because you have perceived that as being a noble cause or a powerful position or whatever, but the thing that's caused you to elevate that in importance over your identity is not God. And so we need to let that stuff go. Anyway, so... Arm of God it's in place so that at the end of this passage it says so you can stand so in that day when that moment happens when you're being pulled or pushed when the thought when the temptation when the influence is trying to get you to say yes to something that God isn't doing the armor is on you it's in place on purpose so you can resist the thing that's trying to sway you it's so you can be immovable So you can stand on the truth and not have to bow to inferior forces trying to get you to do something else. And this is available. Jesus broke everything off your life that would keep you from being able to do this. Every single one of you in this room has been empowered. And I know we all have narratives going on in our minds. Our soul has this story that has come in to help explain the discrepancy in our experience from what God said to what's happening to us. Right? And I'm here to tell you that story, if it's not lining up with the truth, needs to go. That story is not the truth. Jesus is the truth. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You're not going to get to the Lord through your story, through your pain through your struggle, through your anointing, through your supernatural abilities. You will get to him through Jesus. And then from that place, everything about you, your anointing, your gifting, your story, your pain, your past, all that stuff finds its definition. And in it is redeemed. It's completed. It's finished. Like, Jesus didn't just finish doing what he was doing. He finished you. You're done. I'm literally done. Jesus finished you. He's not trying to get you to be better. He's not trying to clean up your mess or help you be a better whatever. He's not interested in that. Jesus you. That you that you're trying to fix or improve or whatever doesn't exist. Like they're gone. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live by the flesh. I live in this place. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You guys, it's not your job to fix or maintain anything about who you are. Your job is to believe on the one that God sent, which is God. (laughs) Your job is to believe in Jesus. That's where your success will come from. That's where the freedom and the liberation and the empowerment and the fulfillment of everything you ever hoped for and dreamed about will happen. It won't be from what you do. It'll be from believing in Jesus. And in that comes the clarity and all the things that you care about, that you want you need, all of it, completed. And then this beautiful partnership, this friendship, this dance that we get to have where we get to display his nature to the world. We're not trying to accomplish or gain something. We are expressing something that already (laughs) happened. And then we experience this thing called abundant life. This river of living water won't stop coming out of you, and you can't not go... Like, where are we? Why are we in San Francisco? I can say this to people in Reading. What am I doing down here? There's this thing that compels me. We've got to express it. It's fun. Um, Cedric, Etika? what was your name again? Dang it! I said Marie in my head, and I was like, that's probably wrong, and I changed it. Did you guys come up here. You guys, I'm gonna. I'm going to pray for you. Um, You guys, there are things that the Lord has intended for you your whole life that are not far away, that aren't something you need to prove or earn or obtain. They're actually here now. And you and your narrative have put on a time stamp on it. It has to take this long, or I have to do this, or this thing has to happen first. And I'd like to ask if it's okay with you, would you be willing to let go of that judgment and allow Jesus to be right this time? Yeah. Could he just be right about that thing? And could you just have it? <laughs> All right. Would you please put your hand on your heart? Oh gosh. And close your eyes. I'm going to pray. And... You guys, your job right now is not to speak in tongues. Don't pull on heaven. Don't try and, like, curtsy for Jesus. I want you to just let the Holy Spirit do what he's doing. Allow it. And anything that shows up in this space right now that tries to oppose that thing, I want you to bust out your lightsaber. Put the hot end toward that thing and question that thing. Not God. Not you. The accuser of the brethren is not your friend. He's actually a liar. So, you poke him with the hot thing and we move on with our lives. All right? Holy Spirit, thank you for your kids. God, thank you that you're such a good dad. Yeah, that you love us so completely, so finally, that literally there's nothing left that needs to be done. There's nothing left that we need to become, that we need to do. Yeah, God, thank you that you finished it. We're grateful and we gladly and humbly just accept your certificate of completion. Yeah, God, we say that you're right, that what you did was enough. That you were right and every other voice, every other consideration has been wrong all of this time. And so we choose to repent for believing the voices, the ideas, the pressures, that said that we had to do or be or have something that you never intended. Yeah, so we say yes to your finished work. We're grateful for your blood, Jesus. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for killing us and bringing us back to life. Something different. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thanks for pulling out every idea every lofty thing that's raised itself up against the knowledge of you yeah right now I tear that stuff down I say be gone in Jesus name you have no place yeah in Holy Spirit I ask that you would speak to us What do you have for us, God? Is there anything that you'd like us to let go of? Anything you'd like us to pick up? Anything you'd like us to say yes to or no to? We give you permission to ask whatever you want, however you'd like. Yeah, God, we trust you. Our hope is in you. We bind ourselves to: if you don't show up, we're screwed. It has to be you. Yeah. So we celebrate that, God. We're grateful, and we ask you to grant us the faithfulness to prove to the world that you've been right this whole time, that you've been right about us, that we're new, that we're clean that we're pure, we're powerful, we're good, (laughs) we're honest, we're generous, we're gentle, we're lowly in heart, we're kind, we're patient. It's the most natural thing in the world for us to give way to love. We're joyful, we're a peaceful people, we are faithful, we're in control of ourselves. So we declare, God, that you're good, that you are who you say you are, that you're right. And we choose to follow you into all of the things, every step of the way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the House SF podcast. We pray that you're encouraged today by this message. If you'd like to partner with and support our ministry, please visit us at www.housesf.org.